You're listening to Creating a Universe, a Love Anarchy podcast hosted by William J. Rogers. On this show, we follow the journey of creatives, artists, and entrepreneurs who are making a name for themselves in the ever-evolving landscape of today's industry. Featuring an insight into both Love Anarchy and the Labaniverse music universe, as well as the individual projects and stories of each of our guests from the music industry and beyond. So whether you're a budding creative or simply interested in what goes on behind the scenes, this is the podcast for you. Hello and welcome to Creating a Universe. I'm your host, William J. Rogers. And today I am here with frontman of the fantasy prog band Azure and newly published author, Christopher Sampson. How's it going, Chris? Yeah, really, really good. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I like that introduction. That's a new one now, the, the published <laughs> author part. That <laughs> feels uh-huh. good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. It's a really exciting time to catch you. We, you know, you've just released the book um, now, which, you know, uh, I'm, I'm super excited about when I talk about that. Obviously, it's connected to your work in Azure and, and things like that. Um, I think, though, just like in case people are listening to this that might not already be familiar with yourself, um, could you maybe start by just giving a bit of an overview of who you are and what you do? Absolutely, yeah. Um, so I've been um, a founding member of Azure, which is, as you said, a fantasy kind of progressive rock, progressive metal, all things prog kind of band. Um, and we started all the way back in 2015, but have since kind of just worked on like or like EP and then kind of like a self-produced record and then kind of pushed into like heavier sides and more experimental sides and more and more just uh, introduced more and more fantasy um, and characters and sometimes the songs which are about like non-fantastical things just because you know obviously you have to have a bit of levity and a bit of um, regular humanity thrown in amongst all of the fantasy but yeah a lot of overarching themes a lot of um, characters which kind of has been bubbling under the surface for a while now. So yeah, that that's kind of what I am. Really, I am like uh, the storyteller of the band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, storyteller, and of course, the role you play in the band, like you're a lead vocalist, right? And uh, yeah, and so you, I guess yeah, you're obviously a huge part in the lyrical writing aspect, and um, yeah, the music as well. I, I assume to a degree. Yeah. So um, I mean, like the whole the co- the kind of the thing for the band um. Which we, it started off like this, but it's grown. Um, we've really lent into it. it it's quite emotional, um, like getting into these topics, whether it's fantasy or not, um, and like thinking about how you want to express yourself, whether it be like um, the guitar solos that Galen might be playing, or like the way I'm singing certain lines. I just want to wring out as much emotion as I can. So you're writing these lyrics, creating these fantasy scenarios. So yeah, I, I'm I'm definitely the primary lyricist. Um, and as time's gone on, the writing has been me and Galen, who, like I said, is lead guitar. Um, and yeah, it's just this this huge endeavor of just trying to create very, very dramatic um, fantasy prog. And yeah, the singing, the singing side of things is like, I'd say definitely my um, singing and lyrics. Those, those are like my main jobs now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's definitely all about storytelling with with the voice. <laughs> Yeah, amazing, man. And, you know, I, I've I've been following you guys for years, so it's so awesome to get this chance to have a proper chat with you now. And um, it's always astounded me, like, the creativity that, that you guys have. It's such a creative project and such a fresh creative sound. I like that even in your bio or whatever it says, it says, so like, fantasy prog, and you said kind of rock, kind of metal. 
I find that interesting because it feels like it is more prog than rock or metal. <laughs> you know, right. It's, thank it's, you. Yeah. That, I think how how because, would you describe like, the sound? It's it's the thing is that we kind of like I know a lot of bands will say this and we, I'm just going to be another one who says this, but we don't really compromise um, the kind of like creativity enough to make it feel like it's one genre mm. um, because it's kind of like we're we're very um, impulsive songwriters. <laughs> and mm. if we want to hear certain sounds, then we just chuck them in, um, which is why like a lot of our projects have like crazy busy arrangements and the like some of the ideas that like kind of like obviously it's everything's intentional but it also feels quite all over the place um which is why like there are there aren't like many huge repeating metal riffs or there's not like ridiculously repeated like classic rock choruses and you know we love that stuff but i just think we're too all over the place with all these like the kind of the structure of our ideas and our processes to ever kind of be like a like a straightforward kind of heavy band or you know because we also love pop and, and funk and stuff like that so you know we'll be riffing for like five seconds and then we'll be like oh but wouldn't it be sick if it was just suddenly like so sugary or like so synthy or something like that and the next thing you know we've gone <coughs> off on like some tangent and you know some some people might be like oh you know we need to kind of rein that in a bit but we're kind of like we're very um happy to get carried away with these things because it you know mm-hmm. our kind of mindset is if it feels good that it goes in those directions then it then it should <laughs> that's um, it man and it feels like very well crafted though when when you guys do it like the thing that's amazing about your music is i think it's one thing to be kind of chaotic and jump all over the place and that that's kind of the thing with frog isn't it but <laughs> yeah you know there's there's a, a huge gap between like doing that well and not you know and i think the the point is it always feels very intentional like every note that you guys are playing you know yeah i appreciate that man i think something for us um i I guess something you can talk about quite easily with prog is like things like rhythms like time signatures or maybe odd chords and something that we've always kind of said is don't write these kind of things for the sake of being awkward write Mm -hmm. them because it feels like that's where it should be and you know then you end up just you know almost accidentally or not not accidentally but you just end up with the result having like odd time signatures lots of strange chords because you want to hear these these notes going in certain directions or you want to to feel this pulse and the next thing you know you might have quite a complicated song but it's only because you wanted it to sound like that which i guess maybe really helps us with the flow of things because if things are intentional and they are going in chosen directions because that's what we wanted to hear then i guess there is almost like a a subconscious structuring i guess because our brain's telling us that's what it was meant to do so we're kind of just you know following the rules of what we're being told by our heads for sure (laughs) Um, yeah you know i appreciate that and because like you say prog is a very um it's a huge genre because the whole point nowadays especially is that people are just trying to explore you know Mm -hmm. and when you're exploring you can end up in certain areas or in the absolute opposite direction and it's still part of the same genre um so i guess that's why it works so well with the kind of storytelling aspect because when you want to tell stories in fantasy locations with crazy characters and magic you know and monsters Mm -hmm. 
then you kind of want to have a bigger as big a palette as possible right and then prog mm-hmm. is like the perfect genre to have that many options it works the best that. that way i think i love that man and you put it so nicely when you said palette there i think because that is one word i would use to describe your music is like very colorful and Thank and you. i think one thing as well that is probably a, a very significant thing for people to know is um because prog is such a broad and possibly even convoluted term at this point mm. um i think one thing that stands out about your music as well is that it is very very melodic right yeah and um and so it's it's uses a lot of these prog elements and a lot of odd times and very very intricate um musical segments and melodies and things but it is like very very rich in melody and and not like you absolutely have these heavier moments but you know some bands that are considered prog metal at this point i mean like Meshuggah, you kind of have this whole wave yeah. of sugar esque stuff that's considered prog metal right now and that's probably a bit further away from where you guys are would you say yeah absolutely um and like i think that the ways especially since mistress so obviously like to anyone who who has followed us um they might know that although we released mistress before our album of brian and angel speaks mistress was written much later and from mistress onwards um we kind of like really started to let the um the the more progressive elements of our music show in in much denser ways so mistress has like these this big melodic chorus with this like kind of like repeated high note passage it feels almost quite you know it's quite diatonic in that moment but then it goes into all of these strange rhythms and there's a like a very dense harmony where the chords go all over the place um and since then we kind of felt that like you know that was something that we kind of wanted to push more into um with letting these chords just really run riot and and go in the directions that felt right but like since then we've kind of really really realized that that's kind of like part of what our what our more heavy sound is if that makes mm. sense yeah so yeah. like whilst you say like for example a band like mashuga who obviously are amazing um they kind of have this aesthetic where although it might not be like vocally a melodic band or something but you know when like a really sick mashuga moment is happening in a mashuga mm-hmm. song and you know and we i guess we have we're beginning to realize what our azure moments are nice. <laughs> if that makes sense and it's becoming more and more natural to lean into these kinds of things and then pull back for like some like melodies because like as you said before like my foremost role other than a lyricist is a singer and i'm you know like fairly clean a clean singer um mm-hmm. if that's how we put it and that's kind of like if the music isn't melodic i find that to be quite a boring job <laughs> sure and, yeah and obviously like there's more to melody than just notes going places like sometimes you can have a melody that's just like one note but then it's about the rhythm and it's about the inflection and it's about you know what vowels and stuff that you're using and there's and there's there's always melody and like i'm I have like not a short attention span but like there's kind of like a level of attention to detail which I need in these kinds of things to keep me satisfied so there's always been an emphasis on melody so that I felt okay about the finished product <laughs> if that mm-hmm. makes sense yeah like yeah I, I I don't end up content with a record or a song um unless I'm happy with everything I'm singing the whole way through and you know mm-hmm. as anyone would be you just kind of have to be a bit fussy over the things that you're passionate about. 
Of course, man. And I do. I would also say that's a you know a big standout feature of um, the band is is like the virtuosity of of the music as well. I mean, especially um, you know yourself as a vocalist and and Galen as a guitarist. You guys are the two founding members, right? And you're both just like so phenomenal what you do. It's very like acrobatic. And so you'll have vocals that are just soaring and guitars that are going crazy. And it's certainly a standout feature of the band. So yeah, yeah it's understandable I'm, I'm, that you have a kind of passion and a pride in that, you know? Well, there's like, you know, there's always, um, and I, I know a lot of musicians will say this nowadays because it's become kind of okay to say this again, but more is often more. Um, <laughs> and whether that be some people who want to just really hone in on ultra technical, almost metronomical things, or some people who want to just really be wailing out into the, the sphere of like, you know, outside of the rhythm and outside of like conventional melody, whatever that is, sometimes it's all about like extreme drama. It's all about, you know, extreme intensity. Yeah. And whether that, and, you know, and we will learn anything that we need to learn in order to make those sounds. Yes. You know, yeah, yeah. and I'm like, I'm rapping. I've just wrapped up vocals more or less for a new record. And that has been a whole learning curve for me because the whole way through, I've been like, I need to be able to make more sounds. And so, you know, you're always learning. So, you know, it's it's obviously awesome that people or like like yourself say that there's like a virtuosic element to the band. But I think to us, it's really just the case of we want to be able to do as many things as we can so that yeah, we can yeah. make the music we want to hear. Yeah. Um, and obviously, we we have a lot of inspiration coming from some amazing musicians like so having having big heroes to look up to kind of almost forces you to strive to to not maybe as be as good as them for example but but you you're always going to have um values which kind of align you with your favorite artists your favorite musicians so you kind of want to chase them and you want to be able to do what they do to an extent um but yeah i i, I appreciate that though and like as well as me and galen like being surrounded with the other members of the band like alex on bass shaz on keyboard and dan on drums now like it's just amazing being in a rehearsal room or at a gig and hearing what these guys can just throw down um it, it catches me off guard because say there'll be a song that was written in 2019 hearing um like alex play it on bass in a different way and i sometimes i'll just look over him and he's adapted a part and i'm like how is he even doing that you know it, it's exciting i find the whole thing like really exhilarating to be around just really really fun musicians <laughs> yeah that's so cool that's that's really cool to um to hear and i think that it's an interesting topic that maybe people that are not fam familiar with prog or aren't, aren't necessarily fans of it can kind of yeah. i don't know misunderstand or feel almost intimidated by super technical <laughs> things and I, I, I it goes back to that thing about it feels very intentional so it doesn't feel like you guys do super technical stuff for like demonstration <laughs> You know, it, I think, and and the way you've put it is is so perfect. I think, which is that it's yeah, you know, about expressing extreme emotion and the fact that it's um, surprising and exciting. You know, that that's something I really enjoy about your music. Like, I just do not expect you to go all the way up to this note in that melody, and and it's just like, yeah, that, that that's just that surprise is is what makes it exciting. You know, I feel like we need more of that in music. So yeah. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that it comes across like that because, yeah, I, as I already said, I think that um, to us at least, like everything is about some form of expression. You know, that that's what art is, right? And being able to to almost shock yourself with whether it be ideas you come up with or sounds you can make, whether it sounds like I make with my voice or, you know, sometimes Galen will just send me a, a video and be like, look at this thing I figured out how to do on guitar. And I'm like, oh my God, you know? <laughs> um, I mean, every yeah. video that Galen posts of anything on guitar, I'm just like, what? Yeah, <laughs> what exactly. is he doing? How, how? And, it, and it's yeah. really, it's really exciting to me. Like it's, yeah. it's never been about um, showing off, like you say, for the sake of it, it's just genuinely exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And anything that it, I find that exciting, I'm, I just think it has to be part of the art if we can, you know, it, as long as it's useful in some way, um, it, it should be there. <laughs> yes. You know? Yeah, man. And again, it's this perfect partnership of that sonic palette that, that you have, you know, giving yourself as wide a variety as you can to work from to then explore all of these kind of themes and concepts that you do within your music, which of course gives us a chance to segue into um, everything to do with the lore and the storytelling in Azure and of course the book that you've just released. Um, could you perhaps give us like uh, a little bit of an overview of um, the role that that plays in your music? Yeah, absolutely. So early, early on, um, like we're talking demo days of the band, I kind of just, when I was sitting on the first couple of tracks and um, with lyrics, I just found so much more i don't know whether it's catharsis or just ease in writing um about fiction um because fiction is like and I, i'll i'm always going to say this i stand by this um fiction is the best way to tell the truth right because you might have like some crazy emotions some really complex feelings that you can't really verbalize in many ways but you can create characters or scenarios um with which you can almost you know express these things without it having to be yourself <laughs> um yeah. and you can create environments in music or with with characters which are so specific like emotionally or you know just thematically or like environment like whatever's happening um that you can't have in real life or at least if you had it in real life you wouldn't be able to express it as easily so having those kind of lyrics where I'm just, you know, creating very specific sets of circumstances has been hugely part of like the creative expression, the emotional expression. And from then it kind of, you know, prog is quite a self-referential genre. So I think this is where it ties in um, because in prog, whether it be like a dream theater concept album or I don't know, King Crimson referencing like melodies or Genesis, for example, would just have melodies. Even if the album's not a concept album, it might just refer back to a motif, you know, like just mm -hmm. motif based music and and storytelling, obviously characters belonging in worlds or having particular narratives. Um, they if they're all part of the same world, then they can also be self-referential. And that gives you this segue opportunity to have characters which obviously have motifs like in like in an opera or in a musical um and so it just became a thing where if i'd written two tracks on a record where they i used the same motif 
So for example, on the first and last track on Wish for Spring, there's a melody that's like da 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 um and in the first track in the song Azure by Azure, um like the the lyric is um there is a storm. And then in this last track on Fairy's Tale, um there's a line where it's like um there was a war and it's like it's the same section. It has a similar chord progression. It's the same melody. Um, and when I'm writing these lyrics, because I was writing them kind of in tandem, it starts to kind of piece together like this thing where it's like, if I'm making these melodies happen again, um, it would be nice if there was a more pertinent kind of thematic thing going on other than just music. So you can draw on the narrative and you can see where these songs are linked. And the next thing you know, they're happening in the same universe, maybe not the same characters, but there are references to an, an event, for example, that might happen. Um, and from there, it just expands. And then the next thing you know, you're you're figuring out how to write a new language and you're getting <laughs> like you're designing a map. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. And writing a book. <laughs> yeah. And writing a book. Exactly. So and, and this coming to the book has been really nice because the first track that ever really properly encapsulated the one of the main narratives of the band's fantasy is that song azure um and when it came out you know firstly we didn't have a huge amount of fans um and there was no context for what that song was about so it kind of just was this own weird little story that if anyone read the lyrics they would be like huh i wonder what that's about um mm -hmm. and then you know we had like uh, the track Red Tail, which was like a standalone EP, which obviously is a fantasy narrative, self-contained. That's a bit easier for a fantasy fan to be like, okay, that's a fantasy story. Mm -hmm. But then we come into um, these tracks afterwards, like Mistress, and then songs from of Brian and Angel's Beaks, such as Amiotoko Part 1 and Amiotoko Part 2, when things all link together a lot more directly. So in Amiotoko part one and mistress and Amiotoko part two the overlying theme is this concept of this mistress who has either caused a curse or is offering to alleviate it um and this kind of just opens up this whole narrative which is huge now and like it just basically the songs came first you know and then i had to do the, the work <laughs> to make it all make sense um and because the thing is once you have like some good ideas you almost just don't want to let them go you have to expand it you have to expand and expand and the next thing you know you're like well i've got this character but where does he live and then you're like well i love this character but you know what does he eat or i love this character but where's he going and where has he already been and who is his family and what's the lineage and <laughs> the next thing you know you've got like a character who comes from a place with these plants with these animals a map from where he's from like a lineage of like family like a whole storyline about what he's doing and then like maybe even a history of the place he's from <laughs> and what started off as context for a song just grows into what i ended up having was like a, a private encyclopedia of information mm -hmm. um like like a, you know like a, a wiki for like a fantasy book, you might come across like Lord of the Rings wiki or something like that, where you go on like characters and it gives you like an overview and where they appear and things like that. I had to basically build one of them for Azure. Um, and yeah, and it's just, 
it and so eventually i kind of sat down with this stuff and i was like well you know i'm getting quite good at this but i i needed to test the waters with if i could actually like you know glue it together in a literary sense mm-hmm. um so uh the um just before 2020 i think it was late 2019 um i started my hand at properly writing a book about it and um i chipped away for a while and it wasn't that serious and i'd reworked a lot of things but then uh something changed in me um in the in 2020 at some point pre pre lockdown pre those kinds of things it wasn't like a stuck inside boredom thing because mm-hmm. i i was you know busy anyway but it's just um something changed where I, I just suddenly i've really had this clarity where I, I felt absolutely capable of doing it um and i felt really inspired and the next thing i know i'd like finished i'd finished um the first full version of the book um on literally so very close to right now on new year's eve of 2020 i finished my first copy of the book um and then obviously i had to go through myriad refinement processes um like working with an editor um working with an artist multiple artists um and then you know you end up with a physical thing and i've had i've had these in my possession for literally a few weeks prior to the release date so when i got my first copy of one i just looked at it and i, I actually have a video of me of me unboxing my first one and just being like i can't believe i have one I can't I can't believe it's real <laughs> you know yeah, this thing that's been living in your head for years <laughs> it's crazy it's 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 unbelievable to me because I, you know I'm I'm a huge you know fan of books and and fantasy mm. and I think for a long time whether it's music or any kind of art when you have heroes or you know th- things which you look up to as like that is the pinnacle of this you feel like you almost shouldn't even try an attempt to be like that or, you know, try and interpret it because you don't want to fall on your face or you don't want to um, fall short in some way or another, you know. But I think once you kind of let go of that that fear and you become a little bit more aligned with what you want for yourself as opposed to what, you, what your, you know, heroes are like, you can definitely clear up any doubts that you have and just be like well i know what i want to make and i'm going to put my mind into what i want to make and it's going to be the best version of this that i can do um and and it's surprising how how much you can impress yourself with you know y- your own efforts when when you're true to what you want to do and when you're focused on it and you're not comparing yourself to other people and you create something you know i'm i'm proud of this because to me it's very special and it's unique and it means something which is quite you know unusual because it's so tied into the band which is obviously like such a huge passionate overbearing project on me <laughs> mm-hmm. um but yeah it, it is amazing so yeah it's been it's been out for literally two days now and um seeing all of these people um like actually you know buying it and responding to me about it and having an interest in you know a piece of literature as opposed to just the music is overwhelming it's because you know two years ago i would never have even thought anyone would have cared i would have thought people would be like oh just stick to singing you know <laughs> <laughs> that's it yeah no oh, but wow fantastic man like congratulations that must have been so much work and, and it's a hell of a journey isn't it like years and years in the making so that's that's well done 
Thank you. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the thing is about like the work side of things, whether it be, I mean, as a, you know, a musician, you know, this, but there's always like that really strange balance of kind of a sense of duty to finish things, which are the tough, like the tough part of doing something versus like that free ride you get of passion when you're just, you know, on a, like on a roll and and things are just coming naturally to you and sometimes having to glue it together with bits of really slow hard work yeah um so i wouldn't i don't look at this book and think oh my god what a horrible stressful piece of work this was <laughs> i because it's to me it's 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 passion primarily as with all of azure it's like the music you know obviously there's hard work that glues things together but <clears throat> if you don't have an insane amount of agency and passion about creating something then you i don't think it's as fulfilling like there's obviously a fulfillment to um being like oh i did that but there's so much more fulfillment when you're like i did the thing i wanted to do um so yeah writing this was a pleasure <laughs> basically um yeah. with with just and then i just had to join it together with bits of hard work <laughs> That's it, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the critical part of the process, but yeah, man, yeah, that's, that's absolutely so, so lovely. Word, you know, the way you've worded that, man, I, I, I really like that. Um, I was, I was wondering, you've obviously touched on a few things in regards to the songs, but yeah, um, I was wondering if you could perhaps give us a bit more context in regards to like the book itself and the character of yeah, absolutely. Luke. Obviously, spoiler free. No, but, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, with very little spoiling. Um, this, this book is essentially the story of, um, our main character from our song Amiotoko part one. Mm. Um, so like we have a character who is, um, for all, you know, that he knows, um, entirely alone in this particularly like gloomy, um, wilderness. And he's basically become what is essentially a, a mess of like moss and plant life that's just grown all over him um with basically no memory of why he's wandering in the wilderness and the only thing that he's completely aware of the whole time is that he's just always being rained on like he's being watered do you know what i mean mm. and um it's the the story of the song is um basically about him being awoken from that state and what he has to do to break a curse that is on him. Mm -hmm. And in the song, this happens quite quickly. It's very dramatic. Um, but in the book, it, it takes a lot more time and it's, it, you know, there's a, there's, cause the thing is with music is you take a bit of liberty as to how you arc the drama of things. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, this is it. The, the whole kind of like scenario that, that the main character Lou is in, which is obviously the title of the book, Lou, <laughs> um, he's, he's faced with um, a distinct lack of morality to begin with because he has no memory. And without memory, you don't really have much to base anything off of. You don't have a strong sense of morality. You don't have an allegiance to anything in particular because you don't really know who or what you are anymore. Um, and the tasks that he is asked to perform in order to alleviate his curse 
begin to kind of awaken a sense of morality um, and potentially guilt. And so it's it's kind of an exploration of that to begin with. But the kind of the book is split into three very separate sections. Um, and it's not a huge book. It's about 310 pages, I think. Um, but the three sections of the book are this first section, which is him um, in this like dormant state, not dormant, but, you know, being awoken, realizing what's going on. The second state is the second section of the book is about him potentially having to do these tasks, which he might not want to do um, in order to get rid of his curse. And then the third section of the book, which isn't covered by any is your song at all, um, is about everything that happens afterwards. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, cool. And what I like about that section is that it's like the story. He's kind of like, without going into any detail, he he suddenly has a lot of options. Um, and, and that's kind of what I, I like about the pacing of the book and why I like the pacing of the songs. Because in the album, we have Amiyatoko part one, which is our character who is, um, you know, trudging through the wilderness, has this curse upon him, has a cloud raining down on him, is woken up, asked to do some very, very terrible things um and does them and that's the first track and then amiotoko part two is about the guilt of what he has done or wanted to do and him doubting if he'd done the right thing but neither of those cover any form of alleviation any sense of freedom any sense of exploration and what this book has is what also lies beyond that where you actually get to enjoy a fantasy um outside of outside of the wilderness outside of the guilt outside of all of that you know there's a there's a whole world um which you know he's supposed to have before him and so anybody who liked those two songs and the kind of juxtaposition of being awoken and you know regretting your decisions they in the book get to explore everything that happens afterwards um, because I would have felt bad, basically, if I'd just written about a book about what they already knew. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's, it's given you that opportunity to expand the story, complete it, I suppose. Absolutely. Um, and there's, there's like... The thing is, we have um, that song, like I say, Mistress, which has done quite well for itself as a standalone track, because it's not on a record. Um, and its lyrics are although, you know, specifically about the mistress who is an integral character, they are fairly vague um, without context. Mm -hmm. And what's important about that song emotionally, because it's quite obvious that it's quite an emotional track, like with this screaming chorus, and, you know, some of the lyrics are like quite, um, I, I don't know if I'd say powerful, but they are they are very particular in, in the kind of emotions that they have. And there's context, you know, within the song itself, but not nothing specific. But this book makes that song and makes that character a whole, like, complete entity because it really explains the character depth of the mistress and of anybody who is at her mercy, <laughs> um, which is, again, something that I really enjoy about being able to write this as a book um because lyrics are great 
lyrics are great. You can say so much in so little words, and that's usually the art of lyrics. Um, if you're trying to tell a, a story in a song, you become quite clever. You become almost thrifty with what you can give away in X amount of syllables, whether you're rhyming, whether you're using metaphors, or whether you're using absolute direct, you know, expositional terms. Um, so you're, you know, it's it's less is more. You're trying to be very, very careful about what you say and if it works and if it's memorable. And you know, if it's musical, because at the end of the day, you don't just want to be saying loads of boring words and hoping that people will care, because you know, songs are meant to be fun. You know, well, and... you can't just sing your novel, right? <laughs> That's yeah, why exactly. they're different formats. Exactly. Um, <laughs> which is exactly why the writing the book is like the opposite art. Um, and although, like I say, it's all hand in hand, having long form sentences and you know deep descriptions of locations and personalities and thought processes is a, a dimension which is almost impossible to explore in music. Mm. Music, it's done in other ways through chords and through you know melodies and through dynamics and tension, but it's it has to be experienced rather than read as a fact. Whereas in a book, it's like a fact, it's in front of you. And although there will be still metaphors and colorful language, you can't, there's not as much room for interpretation. The book tells you what is happening. And I just, I really like that partnership because then once you've listened to the song after reading the book, you might kind of interpret. I mean, I know that I interpret um, what I'm hearing in those songs and like the, the frustrations and stuff way more accurately because I know what the character's been going through, <laughs> if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, and, yeah. and obviously anybody's interpretation of any music is always valid, but I do, I do like additional context. I've always been that kind of person where I always want to know more. Um, so this book is kind of for people like me who just want more information. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You can get the, much uh, more depth in the experience, I suppose. They can, you know, experience more of what you're experiencing when you're creating. Yeah, yourself. exactly, exactly that. You know, you've said it better than I have, actually, because what I'm really trying to do is, although I definitely want to protect people's right to um, enjoy our music however they wish to, I'm just grateful they're enjoying it. Um, but also, it's nice to give a context which I have to a listener so that if they would like, they can see it how we are seeing it, you know? Um, and, and that's that's just like, again, I'm grateful to anyone who's who's going to put those two and two together because it's a big ask, you know? Hey, listen to this song again, but with the context of a whole novel. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but I yeah, mean, I'd say... It, with all it's that just, context, uh, there's just... Sorry, yeah. With all that context, there's just yeah, there's so much to experience. I feel like you can listen to that again and again, you know, when yeah. you're playing out a whole story in your head. You know, it does add a Absolutely. whole dimension to things. Yeah, and a another thing I have to say, um, which is just such an un um underappreciated factor for us is just artwork. Um whether it's the artwork on a record or this uh, wonderful new piece of art by Sean Conley on the front of this, um, it's like we have such 
an immense love for art paired with music art paired with literature like mm-hmm. it is obviously most people will agree that um an album cover almost affects the sound of the music right sure. yeah. um and we have just grown so deeply close to how art has to be paired with music not because you know art's an accessory because you know art the the, the pictures are just as valuable as a, a music or the the book or anything like that but it's just kind of like that getting that marriage right and finding what kind of works whether it be like the framing what's going on what detail you're allowed to give what liberties you're allowed to take in terms of accuracy you know because mm-hmm. art has to have the right balance of of drama or static kind of information and some things work with certain you know like components and some things don't like some art works amazingly with some music and some amazing art just doesn't work with other music and working with artists over the last few years has been another thing that i am so grateful to have been able to do because we've worked with some amazing artists like the artist who did um wish for spring of brian and angel speaks red tail soph steinmore like i wouldn't change anything about those pieces um and then um alex cf who did our single artworks for mistress and spark magical entirely different style but we came to him because we loved what he did and you know with some conversation he was just able to create a whole new thing which although being completely different to sophie's work also represented exactly what we needed um and here again we have um like you know Sean's artwork which has just absolutely captured the drama of this book um obviously I'm, i won't hold it up to the camera again because it's it's never going to be as clear as if people see it on their screens themselves but um just the the drama that um Sean managed to get of this this action once you get to this moment in the book it it means like it means something um so when i saw it for the first time and i was thinking about the context of what was happening in that picture i just, i felt it because yeah. it touches me that an artist connected to a moment that i'd come up with in a story and you know envisit in envisioned it and created it with that much emotion like it's imbued with with an emotion which is just you know it's awesome it it's really awesome um and it's just you know who would have thought that you know you start like learning guitar or learning to sing you know when you're like early teens or like you know 11 or 12 and the next thing you know you're just working with these amazing painters and amazing artists who are you know connecting with music with you it's just, just like i'm never going to get over how special that is um and i recommend it to anybody who has um a way of working with an artist whether it be for for music or for literature or for anything um don't be shy to let an artist um you know to interpret your work and and see where it it goes because even though you might not be able to envisage um envision like exactly what you want to see that's you know that's an artist's that's their ability <laughs> and and you'd be surprised at just how amazing the things that they can think of are so yeah i i'll never get over that so that's been another thing which i've just over the years really come to appreciate with this whole like fantasy and music because fantasy and art obviously goes so well together 
and music and art go so well together. So having that almost trio of of you know components is just fantastic. And and we have a map in the book as well. And that is again like art. It's a different art form entirely. But um, I worked with like. Uh, well, I worked on I, my own doing these like very crude map sketches. It was mainly just for information. Um, and I, you know, I tried um, like looking at other people's cartography and seeing how people did map designs and what was informative. And some things were a bit too um, freely and not particularly practical. And I came across an artist called Joshua Hoskins, um, who people can find as Noctua cart Cartography, um, if you're interested. And he just had this perfect balance of having all of the information you would want to see on a map and kind of keeping the aesthetic of like, a, you know, a beautiful fantasy map. Um, it just, and, and you know, his, his text, like the calligraphy, his writing, everything just works. Um, and so working with him, sending him my drafts and then seeing what he sent back was just like, you know, so yeah. And, and having that as an insert in a book is, is, is just mad. Mm -hmm. Okay. Can we see that? I know it's not as good quality as if. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah. See it so properly, but... obviously into the book, there's a little forward from me. Um, and then we have our contents page and then. In the book, we have our map page, which is just here. Um, and there is more map. He has done more map, but this is the map that's relevant to the book at the moment um, with some of the locations that are going to be referenced in the book. And then we have our little introduction, and then we go straight into the, the whole thing. So, and I have the actual, the whole, the whole full map um, hung up in, in my, in this room right now. <laughs> But I won't, I won't shift the camera around and stuff, but, <laughs> but yeah, so, um, again, like I just, I cannot, I cannot express how grateful I am to have worked with as many artists as, as you all have been lucky to work with so far. Um, and as we speak, we are working with, um, Felix Lemaire on a brand new album cover. And I won't say much about that because it's, it's not time to talk about that, mm -hmm. but again i'm just i'm never gonna stop being grateful for for these these opportunities to work with artists wow i love that man i that's so cool to hear you share that and to get that that insight and it's, it's very inspirational and as you say there is this kind of transformative quality to it for somebody to connect with you in that way and share your creative vision and absolutely it's truly such a wonderful thing man and as well i think it is you know the azure art it is very distinct even the art from different artists and, and the book mm. and things like that there is that you know it's it's got such an intriguing quality to it that i do feel matches your music so so well and it, it again is very out of the usual of you know i don't know rock metal covers what you know like it's very much the same thing and that has always stood out to me about um, yeah i mean what what would you say are the kind of fundamental components do you have an idea of that to the visual aesthetic yeah um so i won't give away all of our trade secrets <laughs> but um <laughs> what what me and galen because obviously me and galen are 
equally involved in this. I don't want to take credit of making it sound like I'm the mastermind of thinking about art or anything like that. But what we um both have kind of slowly come to realize is that obviously there is no one size fits all. But um, for example, the two standalone singles, which were done by Alex CF, um, they are character. They're almost like character study songs. Mistress and the song Spark Madrigal, which is about a character called Madrigal. Um, so in this instance, we knew that these are standalone singles. They only have to represent one song, a piece of art that represents one song. So for the mistress, it's the mistress. No huge deviation around her. Um, it's more or less this character framed in a very particular shape so that it kind of has... Um, like a commanding center stage quality to it. And, you know, you have to keep in mind other things like such as, you know, these things not necessarily going to be on a CD, but possibly a T-shirt, you know, and what would look good? What what looks nice? What would I want to wear? Um, so that's the mistress. She's like, a you know, a rectangle. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Essentially, she's, she's like a big rectangular shape. And then again, Madrigal, because it's like, again, a character study almost. It's about one character. We have, well, it's about two characters, but it's they, they're paired together. So in the song, the song is about um, this character, Madrigal, who is only perceived by a character who is the Astrapomancer, who is obviously studying the lightning. Um, so what we have in that art is the Astrapomancer, center stage, almost rectangular, the same as the mistress, viewing up, and then the top is Madrigal. And so it's still kind of like this this one kind of body, if that makes sense. It's like, you know, there is some detail to this the kind of whole stand and um, viewing tower that the Astrapomancer is on. But there's no huge background information. In fact, that one's even more simple because it's literally framed with white around it. Mm -hmm. So it really is, for the singles, just straight up, here is the characters doing what they do. Um, and it's and that 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 is how those ones needed to be for us. They're straightforward, um, and the songs are like you know standalone songs. So that's the kind of way that the art needs to be. Whereas for the albums, um, albums are obviously huge bodies of work compared to a single, and so there's a lot more you know as we said before like color. There's a lot more variation in an album, and although Mistress and Madrigal are busy songs. They're never going to be as busy as a whole record. And the busyness of a record has to be captured in art in a completely different way, whether it be through a much more luscious landscape behind a centerpiece or whether it's in colors, you know. Um, and it's not what we've kind of found over time is it's not so much about action in the album covers as it is about just like the kind of depth of the landscape um so like red tail is a great example because red tail's story is quite busy he's flying about the place he's causing havoc he's very distressed they burn down his home but none of that is depicted in the artwork the artwork is the creature almost sulking stationary to, um, to one side of the artwork and the rest of the artwork is just his cave you know, with little trinkets and bits and bobs and a, and like a, a body of water, and that's and that's it. But because it's like this this still piece, you can take this this sulking character 
and then you use your imagination to imagine him doing all of the crazy stuff in the song and you know if that that's kind of what works best um and you know it might not be the formula forever but it's working so far it, there's a kind of something about having characters and locations that just always seems to work you know um because there's nothing better than imagining a character in their location <laughs> for lack of a better word i love i love that man and and i want to i want to explore a little bit more of that actually because um it it's, it seems really interesting to me the way you storytell within the band and it seems that for the most part obviously you have singles you have the red tail ep which is like essentially yeah. a 20 minute long song um which is awesome very prog uh but um but it's it's kind of like it seems like you're you're not necessarily strictly making traditional concept albums a lot of the time at least in the full length albums it's more that you keep revisiting this world or this lore of 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 um you know the band in across various songs um yes. so i'm really intrigued to get a bit more about that because i understand that lou comes from two songs in particular um yes. and so is lou is lou from a particular world and all of the stories are from this particular world or or how does that work yeah okay so the way that this has functioned is when the kind of the whole body of the fantasy really started to come into view one of the things that i did was i took a step back and i created a timeline um because i knew what things were occurring in this one world and there are things which i knew would link up but they just could not be happening anywhere near each other in terms of time um and you know because in reality like you have to have some reality to world building and as time changes worlds change you know with whether it's over a long period of time or a short period of time cities change locations change names change languages change um and and society changes so we have um songs you know that there is a main fantasy world yes that the songs are the fantasy songs are mainly from which is a world called kraj which is in like referenced in the book because it the book starts and it basically describes this this world which is where the story takes place um and you obviously have to be careful when you talk fantasy rather than perhaps science fiction fantasy or speculative fiction because you don't want it to become like some kind of planetary analysis mm. implying that there's many many planets in this solar system and you're going to hop between them i think once you start talking about things in too much of a um a solar system kind of way then people might expect you to be leaping between planets mm-hmm. um whereas obviously that's not the case this is very much occurring you know inland on a planet um mm-hmm. but it's just not this one that we are living in um mm-hmm. and so i think it was i i had to be quite careful to not do um any over over planeting <laughs> um and and it's also it helps knowing that all of the stuff is happening in the same world but in different time periods helps to build the world because you're giving it history or or future you're just giving it a scale because scale isn't size just size and it's not just you know what life forms there are but it's also about the depth of 
of civilization. And you can only do so much when you're world building. Mm -hmm. You can't, you can't, you're not God. You can't actually, um, you know, experience continents worth of, of thousands of years of development. <laughs> you know, you can't, you can't know billions of life forms. You can't know billions of, you know, fruits and vegetables that exist everywhere, but you can piece together which ones are relevant and which ones will occur in a story. Mm. So having things which definitely occur, definite points in time, definite locations, and then kind of creating your, um, your kind of like bubbles from those points, you slowly start to notice that some of them converge, um, which is why having a timescale and having a map is fantastically important. And I think that although I'm not as much of a and -er myself, um, but I hugely appreciate the art of it, um, like, you know, dungeon masters and, and players of Dungeons and Dragons will tell you the same thing. Like there is a limit to how much world any human being can build. Obviously people like Tolkien are at the absolute maximum of what you can do there, but there is obviously a really, really happy point where things that you have created meet in the middle and you're like oh this is where it links this is why these two things exist in the same plane um and so for lou knowing that i had this planet where these stories were occurring and figuring out the time scale um of when what was happening to him happens and when other similar stories have happened around him really helped me when writing the book because i knew what kind of characters he would be bumping into I knew what kind of things would be kind of in the midst of happening. Mm -hmm. um, and the music that we are working on at the moment and some of the characters in Lou um, are hugely um, explorative in the sense of time, not because it's like a time travel book, but just because things happen in phases in these stories, which for Lou might have taken him a very long time to get to. Whereas it, behind the scenes of his story, someone else's story might be happening somewhat in tandem, but they meet at certain points and you know that they're going off to do separate things. And you kind of have to keep track of those things if you're writing the story. So, you know, having a song about these things, it's like a snapshot, right? Mm -hmm. It's like you've taken a certain event from a certain moment of time where there's a certain level of tension or emotions or whatever, Maybe it's a certain type of location and you snapshot it and you either tell a bit of the story or you just kind of get a vibe across. And that's kind of what how the, the songs, like you say, on albums where it's not. Sorry, I'm getting back to answering the question now. Um, the way that the albums work where there's not all of the songs are about the same thing is like having these snapshots in of like, here's some of the story. Here's, you know, a bit of a world. It's it's nice. I think it's like mm -hmm. it's it's a, just a way of getting things across. It's digestible in the sense that some people just need a chunk of fantasy, or they need a you know a chunk of here's a character to to listen to for like six minutes. Still, mm -hmm. we have like a track called um, "Luster Siphon of Umbra" on a Final Angels Weeks, and again, out of context, that song just makes nearly no sense. It nearly makes no sense. And I've been aware of that this whole time, other than, you know, the fact that it's clearly about a weapon 
and that it's one thing that undoes another thing. That's kind of all that's really clear in that song. And having a story where this, where Umbra is suddenly referenced mm-hmm. and Luster is suddenly referenced, it's like, oh, that's where that fits in. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but for now, it's just a nice topic like that a song can be about. Um, and it just lets you explore singing about, you know, a thing without having to give too much away about it. That song isn't there to tell everybody exactly what it's about. It's just there to get across a particular kind of vibe, which is that there is a weapon that undoes um, the the kind of, I don't know, the, the kind of actions of another weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what that song's about. And it's not clear as to what that means. And and I like that it's like that. I like the vague mysticism of of that song, and it still has a vague mysticism about it, even with context. So that's that's just why I like those songs existing, you know, surrounded by tracks like the Jellyfish, you know, or Outrun God, which are just like you know, very different entirely. You know, the Jellyfish is about you know, being a student essentially, and and you know, not like really knowing what you're doing and, and watching kind of your life fall or, fall apart around you because you know you're lost in the big city and outrun god is almost the most ridiculous thing for a song to be about because it's it's essentially like an adhd fueled sonic heroes fueled song about feeling like you have to keep going and you have to get faster because otherwise something's going to get you <laughs> and it's and that's one of the most intangible concepts of all but but that's just on the record with which is the same record which has Amiotoko part one on it, you know. Mm-hmm. And they don't go together, but they but they exist together, whether they like it or not. <laughs> yeah, as you say, you've given yourself that creative freedom that they do go together in a musical yeah. context. There it's an Azure record, right? But yeah, I suppose conceptually that's what you're saying. You you it seems like So from what I gather, the the, the thing that I'm getting is like Kraj. This is essentially the world of Azure or the backdrop yes. or your literary concoction, your middle earth, essentially. Yeah. And, yeah, we and, can roll with that. <laughs> and uh and so Tolkien, of course, his creation really was in a way Middle Earth and that world, this particular planet. But as you say, it's not science fiction. So it's it's just that one world that everything mm-hmm. goes around and then he's got this very in-depth timeline and all these different events and stories and aspects of lore that that go into it but that's where he gets to pluck his main creations from that are the stories right right and so for you i suppose you have Kraj as kind of your middle earth and you are able to draw from that tell stories from that and excise from it but of course as a band you're you're able to pluck from that and and musically <laughs> whenever you want exactly yeah and I'm when you want to that's... turn it off you also just turn it yeah, off exactly right? <laughs> yeah exactly so really what you do is you create this kind of bed <coughs> of of potential things to work with because now if we go oh what do we write a song about i'll be like guys take a look at chapter 12 you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, nice. but, and, and also again i appreciate tolkien from the sense that you know, as a lot of people would say, he almost created his world because he wanted a place for his languages to exist. Mm-hmm. So, and then, and then, you know, there are excerpts of his story again, which come out from that world. So it's like 
he had a thing which made him create a world and then he used the world to then create other things and with azure it's like we had some songs which forced us to create a world yeah and then from that world we then use it as a resource again um mm -hmm. so it, it's it's very similar it's crazy how beneficial it can be to surround yourself with this much context because like you say you are then at liberty to switch it off mm -hmm. um and you know the next is your record is going to be the most involved we've ever been in the fantasy side of things and then who knows after that maybe we will we will do a whole album where it's nothing to do with it but you know right now it's fantasy is like very on our minds because you it's almost like method acting you have to completely commit to it you have to commit to the characters if you're singing a song and you really care about it and you know this is not a rule that i would place on anybody else but a rule i place on myself is that i i have to know what i'm i'm feeling to be these characters i really care about that stuff and it and it doesn't matter if it doesn't come across to everybody that's you know completely down to a listener but i know that I'm not going to feel satisfied with my performance on a track unless I've really been in the mindset of these characters. And mm -hmm. sometimes you have to be in the world of the characters and you have to be in the scenario of the characters. And and context is is everything for these kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And you know, speculative kind of like, you know, free you know, freedom with possibilities of like not quite knowing what's going on is also cool too. But I exist personally best with lots of context. Um, I love it. I, and I did a record for um, um, Taylor. That was TB Audio was is the name of the project. I sang vocals for the whole record, um, which came out. Um, I think it was last year or early this year. I, I'm really bad with this, but it, it came out fairly recently. And I spent like a long time with that record because it's I'm singing from multiple characters for that record for him and I didn't write the music but I came in and I sang the vocals and I just I really really had to spend a lot of time with the lyrics and there were times where I messaged him and I said what does this mean or you know can I change the phrasing of this and sometimes he'd be like no you can't change the phrasing of that and I'd be like fair enough because I know how that is when I write something really meticulous and I don't want someone to change it so you know you have to respect these kinds of things so instead i just had to get really into what i was singing about and sometimes there would be a spoken word bit where he would brief me as to how i should have been for the spoken word bit and then i had to do like and sometimes i'll be there doing like 30 takes of a spoken word section just to really make sure it was right and to, to the outside viewer or listener they probably would have thought most of my takes sounded the same but it's because you kind of get into a frenzy of just being so hyper specific about what you're meant to sound like the, the next thing you know you're 30 or 40 takes deep just trying to speak right <laughs> um yeah, yeah. so yeah but shout out to um to taylor and tv audio for that project it was called um hourglass of exile and i just really enjoyed it. i just love character driven prog basically mm -hmm. and that was what that record was and i was very lucky to be part of it and i'm always going to um be inclined to lend a hand to other people doing similar projects in any way similar to Azure because I sympathize and I admire anybody who is telling big stories and has big ideas and has characters or has a world that they want to sing about. And I'm 
you know, if I have the time, if people ask me to be in these kinds of things, it's difficult for me to say no, because I that's one of the things that I'm most passionate about. And I, I relate to it, you know? Yeah, musical storytelling, right? It's yeah, like no, best, I love it. Best thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So with Taylor in that project, TV Audio, then, so he created his own characters and worlds and such. And his, and his is um, a bit uh, quite interesting. His is different in the sense that his album is loosely based on um, a story that already exists. I can't remember what the name of it is, but he um, basically like took some liberties, kind of changed it up a bit and kind of maybe focused on on certain parts of the story. Um, but it's yeah, his, his is like an adaption of a, an existing piece of media, which he has then worked on. So he is very creative, like his characters are still they still feel like his characters rather than somebody else's but yeah it to, to, to that again it's like its own entity it's its own creative process different to what i've done and um, which is again why it's so exciting to me because it's its own thing you know mm-hmm. and and i'd rather be a part of something that's different to what i'm doing but has a vague similarity than just do another thing that's exactly like what i'm doing of course yeah wow yeah that's that's fascinating was it it was galen on that project as well no, it was just me on that one. Me and Galen both contributed to another project, which is another concept thing. So this is you can see now how absolutely <laughs> invested we are with these with these friends. Um, so Bronze and Steel um, released a track called um, I think the full title of the track is um, the, it's either the Eternal Dragon and the Child of Tomorrow, but I think that we we tend to refer to it just as a Child of Tomorrow. Um, but on that track, um, some I think that like one of the, the the main vocalist of Bronze and Steel, he was singing from the perspective of the um of the Eternal Black Dragon, and which is their characters entirely, as far as I'm aware. Um, and I was singing this kind of response part from this character called the Child of Tomorrow. Um, and that again, I had like a bit of context. They threw and Galen played like this really cool like um really really emotionally wrought solo which i really like i'm a huge fan of galen solo on that um and yeah we we basically just received you know some parts a bit of score like i love working from score i worked from score um for taylor's thing as well if anyone ever sends me musical notation i love it because it's just it's so definite (laughs) do you know what i mean um but yeah so they sent a bit of score and they sent their lyrics and they sent me some lore they sent me some lore which i love um any so anyone who sends me lore i'm in (laughs) um (laughs) so i just read about the character i read about the concept of the story they even broke down if i remember correctly bits of the lyrics to tell me what they meant or told me what like emotions they were supposed to be so big up bronze and steel um for the way that they approached approached us for that track i really enjoyed what it ended up being and i'm again grateful to be part of it and i love their artwork again so yeah a fantastic project and honestly, I I have no end of support for these these artists who are doing these fantasy themed narratives, um, because I I just I love it. That's it, kindred spirits, man. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely really, really wonderful. Yeah, wow, fantastic, man. Yeah, awesome that you guys are getting involved in other people's worlds and things too. Um, and and I'm curious. So, like, I guess with like Lou, by the sounds of it, that's kind of a self contained story from your world like would you ever 
revisit that story or perhaps in the future you'd consider just writing other stories from the same world um i have to be careful what i say here because lou we okay. there is more planned for lou okay. um so what i would say about this is that so lou has this is kind of like i don't want to say it's an origin story but i don't want to say it's his full story it's kind of like somewhere in the middle i feel like a grand portion of his drama happens in this book, but he has more ahead of him. Um, not necessarily like chronologically more ahead of him, but there's just more to, ex there's a lot more to explore with him yeah. um, because the story isn't finished. So what it's kind of implied by the title is that it is Path of the Asdenis Lou. Um, and after this one, I am planning on releasing more books, also Path of the Astonist. Okay, right. Um, so, but, and Lou may or may not be very relevant. <laughs> um, but in terms of like really focal character studies, for now, I wouldn't expect that I'm going to be writing any songs specifically about Lou for a while now. Um, but I probably will again, because his, like I say, his narrative isn't complete. Um, but the story is self-contained. I like where the book ends. It doesn't feel like an ending where you've got nowhere. It's not like that kind of ending. Mm -hmm. It's kind of just an, an ending to a story in the sense that there is definitely an ending. Um, but you can see that, that there can be more. <laughs> yeah wow fantastic man that's so cool and one one thing that i've also thought more on the mu kind of music side of storytelling um or of musical storytelling um you said like in interestingly you like working from score and and things like that so um as you've mentioned about motifs things like that is like do you find a lot of inspiration in soundtrack composing musical theater classical music places like that or is it mostly like prog rock records or, or what? um no honestly it it comes from everywhere i mean me and galen are huge music fans um i mean all of the band obviously are um i only say me and galen because we've been we've done most of the composing like thus far but um i think that honestly i've obviously always been into you know like um theater kind of stuff like I love musicals I love musicals a lot um and I'm into you know prog rock obviously was the best example because everybody knows how self-referential self prog rock is mm -hmm. um and I love like you know just all sorts of orchestral music you know whether it be like you know really really avant stuff or just really romantic stuff um anything um and you know these these things often have like little motifs that kind of flutter about um or like main themes but in terms of the way that we approach it i guess the best way to liken it would be kind of more like i would i maybe not like disney but just like a, a musical a musical which is fairly through composed with like you know um refrains and um i don't know perhaps just like there there are the way that we approach our songs is kind of just like 
things might come back as a motif or things might come back as like a whole section mm-hmm. and we don't really know which way is better until we get there we try it mm-hmm. so um and we'll do it throughout the song or in other songs so like i mean the most obvious ones for us is um Oh, I don't want to give too much away. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we I mean we have a track a track Redtail, right? For example. And we um have the theme of Redtail, like it literally starts with um like like that kind of like descending, kind of descending, yeah. Um thing in B minor. And throughout the song that is revisited a few times and reshaped. Um, but there are other little themes in Red Tail. Like there's this melody that's like um like that. Mm-hmm. And um when we next write about that character, we will have this this like pit of little melodies which almost can exist over any form of harmony that we could just throw back on, you know? Mm-hmm. Um and obviously tailor it to how what works best. So it's kind of just one of these things where you don't want to do something for the sake of it. Um, and if a character is having a resurgence in a song or a mood is having a resurgence in a song, you want to find a not necessarily tasteful because I'm not really a fan of that word, but you want to have like a an appropriate way of bringing it back that feels right. And in Amiotoko part one and two, the best way that we do this is... Um, so Amiotoko actually has a similar motif to their first Red Tail one, where um, it basically has a thing that's like, um, basically there's there's a thing a thing that's like da, 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 like that, and it happens really really blatantly in the first track, but it's scattered quietly all over Amiotoko Part Two, but I don't even know if people would notice. It's only there texturally. And it's only there because I wanted it to be there, you know, yeah. and and it's not necessarily even there to, to be noticed. It's just a tool that worked perfectly musically in that scenario. And um, there are other there's lots of other bits. I'm not going to embarrass myself by trying to sing like chords at you. Um, but there's like lots of little bits and bobs that happen in track in Amiotoko 1, which we just layer back in into Amiotoko Part 2, which is crazy because they're such different pieces of music. You know, you have Amiotoko Part 1, which spends its time being like a mid-tempo, 7-4, sometimes 6-4, slow piece of music, which is in like A major, um, and, you know, or F-sharp minor, and it goes, you know, through some other keys. But then you have Amiotoko Part 2, which is like this, like, for primarily 180 BPM, like 16th note, like, you know, in E-flat minor, like... So none of these things sound like they're even remotely conducive to be related to each other, but yet somehow you just take these themes, you transpose them, or maybe you recontextualize them in a different place in the scale, or, you know, whatever. Um, and it's not about being clever, it's just about what sounds good in these instances, because it's not, I'm not getting marked on this, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. at the end of the day, it's just about what sounds right. Yeah, yeah, I love that, man, I love that, but... Yeah, you are certainly incorporating those thematic elements and a lot of light motifs and you know, yeah. a musical reflection of the lore, essentially. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, there is a lot more of it 
become that's why i have to be careful about how i'm talking about it now because otherwise i'm just going to talk to you about this whole new album we've written <laughs> yeah yeah well i have <laughs> but, to do another one uh, when that oh no i would love to i really like chatting with you so I, I would love to talk to you about it again when it's time for that but yeah honestly like having the ability to draw on light motifs and just small cells of music but also being able to draw on lyrics or characters or whole sections of like chord progressions and maybe even taking an old chord progression but putting a different motif over the top things like that it's like a playground <laughs> you know totally. it's like a, an experimental playground where you can just really figure out and you don't want to waste a whole song just referencing another song mm -hmm. so that you have to choose your moments um and i've i always enjoy getting to do that basically because it's, it's fun <laughs> yeah absolutely man yeah, absolutely. And um, I, I was I was curious as well. Just um, tend to do a little bit of this on 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 the podcast, and I think it would be cool just to get a bit of context. Like, if you take it all the way back to the beginning, like when did you actually first get into music, and I suppose fantasy and everything, you know, as well. Like, where did it all begin? Oh no, that's a that's a good question. Um, so I'm I'm very lucky because um, I've kind of got like a really good background for fantasy and music because I kind of grew up in a household where uh, my dad sings in like a rock metal band and my mum also like big lover of music you know used to be like a, a DJ um, and you know do like like all sorts of you know things like be like go to gigs and stuff so they're like they're, they're hugely into like rock and metal scene awesome. anyway and they're both big fantasy fans <laughs> so i literally had like the perfect springboard into both of these interests you know so when you grow up in a house where there's like a genesis record and every iron maiden album just sat around you perfect. and you know lord of the rings figurines and like all of the extended editions ready to be watched at any point it's hard not to be into those things because these things are just quality you know and they've always been to my tastes, whether that's something that I've grown into liking or just have always found fascinating. I've just had these kind of assets around me. Um, and, you know, my parents um, were really supportive from like me being really young um, to just me loving music. And I know that even to begin with, I was always like trying to sing about fantasy stuff um, because that was the stuff that gripped me. I liked the lyrics that I didn't understand. I liked the lyrics, which kind of told a story. I think when you're a child, you love stories, right? So if you hear a song that tells you a story, you're like, well, that's the best of both worlds. Yeah. <laughs> like I remember hearing Rocky Raccoon or like Bungalow Bill from like the Beatles, you know, White Album, which is what, like 1968, I think. And I was obsessed with those songs because like Rocky Raccoon tells you a whole story in a little tiny song. Yeah. And obviously that's not necessarily prog but it you know it had characters and it, it was a song and then you know iron maiden I, i'm a huge huge iron maiden fan and like obviously they love singing about books and history and, and you know magic and like having those kind of topics regularly you know i'm always listening to these bands singing about these kinds of things it just shifts your values and the things that stick with you and the things that you want to hear and eventually the things that you want to sing about. So I guess I've always been drawn to very dramatic recitals of fantastical lyrics with, you know, like 
kind of heavy metal sensibilities like um you know i i like the campiness i like the theatrics i like um you know drama and I, and i love over the top emotions and i and i think it's funny because i know that's not to a lot of people's tastes some people might specifically critique music for being too dramatic or too emotional or you know too um i don't know cheesy sometimes people would say but i i love i love that stuff mm-hmm. i think that you know i like the frills i like the i like the extravagance of that kind of stuff yeah i think as well especially an interesting one i think that that hits that kind of very hard is is the realm of musical theater it's almost mm-hmm. like a love hate kind of thing because um, oh yeah but i i totally get that as well that some people would just wouldn't be able to kind of get over the i don't know cheesiness of it almost yeah you know? but it's such an incredible art form you know? exactly um, i'm really glad you said that because i mean obviously it's extremely popular but the people who don't like it they almost feel repulsed by like how <laughs> yeah. how overly in your yeah. face the emotions are and how but i think that the pompousness and the yeah. camp and the um the drama and you know like the costumes everything in theater yeah. is just it's so particular they know what they're doing it's yeah. not like it's a mistake like yeah. if, so you have to understand that with these things the amount of intention that goes into it means that you just have to understand that it's meant to be like that totally. and and it's meant to be like that for a reason and like you say it's an art form it's a very specific wonderful art form um and so yeah th- theater to me is just like if you go and see a, a show if you if people get the opportunity to go and see like a big musical show like somewhere you know in london or where, wherever like you you can't deny how incredible the work is whether you like the music whether you like the storyline the effort you know the logistical effort the the compositions the, the thematics you know the characters the drama it's it's obviously like an undeniable statement and i've always been specifically into that statement so when you're into something that's that you know over the top and powerful you can't help but let that kind of thing have an impact on you you know yeah man um, i'm uh, i'm with you 100% like it's such a it's such a marvel you know when you see that and there's so much craft involved and i mean you know mm-hmm. singers in musical theater are really among the best in the world and you sit them on the stage you know you sit watching this stage and every performer there is just world class and they do this oh they have to be flawless yeah it's it's pretty incredible man yeah and what i what i like about that world in general is like you take lloyd webber and you take phantom of the opera and you take jesus christ superstar and like those two things in some respects are like as far away from each other as they could possibly be because phantom of the opera has like you know what is essentially pseudo opera in it yeah and and jesus christ superstar is like a, a rock opera like it's like yeah, rock yeah. it's kind of it's got like blues it's jamming you know a lot of the singers have these gritty 70s rock voices yeah um, the original jesus and, and, was ian gillen it's like yeah exactly purple, right? and he's, he's got these crazy <laughs> screams and these vibrato which i love i grew up so absolutely good. loving jesus christ superstar i love yeah. the vocals like the judas's character when when played by carl anderson 
in the the original movie version. I wow. honestly think Carl Anderson's one of the greatest singers who's ever lived, in my opinion. Because it's it's such an emotional, dramatic performance as well, it's, man. Like, it's, it's, is it, awesome. dude? I get chills. I got chills right now, even just thinking about like his expressions yeah. as he sings. Exactly, and that and that's yeah. another thing that's so fantastic about that particular one is that. Although, you know, like religion is a huge topic and it doesn't, I'm not going to get into whether people want to believe in, like, you know, what they believe in, whatever. But that story is such a powerful story totally. that regardless of what, you know, what, what if you take the, the political side of religion out of it, you just have this incredibly emotional story, which has been put to music and it's awesome. It's, it's yeah. just awesome. And then you and just like, throw in a bunch of flares and doing flips yeah. in the desert and stuff <laughs> and, it, and it works like i tell does, you yeah, yeah. if it didn't have the flares and if it didn't it, have that 70s edge just, yeah yeah, yeah it just, it, it just would so be what it is because yeah. i tell you that that final the judas death scene in that in that um in that yeah. film in particular would be nothing if it didn't have the 70s cheese yeah, yeah like yeah. it's so emotional and yeah. those moments hit harder because of how theatrical the rest of it is um and the contrast is just incredible if everything was just serious and moody and taking itself way too you know seriously in a dark way then when something actually sad happens it has way less of an impact usually totally. whereas if something goes to the extremities of ultimate like colorful jazzy showy like you know silliness almost or you know just light-heartedness then when it goes to the, the absolute bowels of hell you know you feel the drop, you know, um, totally. and and that's why you know theater can like make people cry so easily because yeah, you're yeah. the one first thing you know you're having a laugh and a sing along, and the next thing you know you're just like witnessed like the saddest death scene on stage, yeah, yeah, and yeah. you you, know, you have no time to recover or to brace yourself, um, yeah. which is yeah, which is what theater is just amazing for. It's amazing, and and that's and, something which I'm gonna always be chasing to try and catch up yeah. with to but have again, that I, level of contrast i've kind of almost had a little full circle as well to talking about your musical style at, at the very beginning because that thing about genre bending so much i think mm -hmm. that's something so good about musical theater especially like take someone like lloyd webber he's so good at that like it exists in its own kind of musical realm that is total mm -hmm. fusion style and like lloyd webber but man phantom of the opera and uh jesus christ Superstar, i love that you pick those two the two of my favorite pieces of music of all time and just mm. productions in general um and the one thing that's consistent between them despite the mix of different stylistic components is like uh, he's got to be one of the best melody writers that has ever existed oh yeah like Definitely. every song it, it's just like incredibly incredibly crafted melody one after the other all the way through but it's as well the fact that you can have a song the, uh, the first one that comes to mind is in Jesus Christ Superstar, like e everything's all right, everything's fine. You know, beautiful yeah. song, beautiful melody, and it's in five four, and yeah. you you hardly even notice that. You know, it no, feels yeah. so natural and, and melodic and songful, but it's also so intricate and musical. You know, yeah, that's think... exactly that's exactly what I was saying before. Like mm -hmm. the, those those odd meters and unusual chords, even when they are absolutely crazy like really out of this world rhythms really really insane chords when they've come from a place like that sometimes you notice and sometimes you don't even notice because it's so yeah. musical um and 5-4 is an excellent one for that because 
it has this illusion of a six a six eight feel or like you know a three four feel um because you can have it like and then next thing you know but you can sway to it and you don't even feel if it's done like in a tasteful way you don't miss that extra beat you don't miss or you don't feel stuttered by it you're just you know it's just a different pulse and andrew lloyd Webber is amazing at that in in heaven on their minds as well there's that bit where it's like um nazareth your famous son should have stayed a great time really catchy really rhythmic yeah but yeah but not but it's in an odd meter so um yeah i'm yeah i'm glad you appreciate those ones too and yeah honestly one more thing i will say about this kind of like theatrical contrast between like the silliness and the dark side of things is something that i got to explore more in writing this book um is that i i'm not um one of those somber writers um so i will say this to anybody who isn't into that kind of thing like my writing has its moments of being quite frilly quite um overly verbose and colorful you know and that's not to some people's tastes but i i personally enjoy it i like it because it's almost um i like the indulgence sometimes of being over descriptive and sometimes you know it's not necessary but sometimes you really just want to let lavish on colors and landscapes and whatever because it just really really it's like no you don't understand it's really really purple or like it's you know it's really really like magical or whatever um and having that stuff happen and then if something bad happens or suddenly there's the most realistic sense of guilt or the most realistic sense of you know misery compared with just you know this floaty language for other sections you know i again contrast is just something that when i explored you know how to use it i just i I really really feel drawn to making sure that it's not just the story and it's not even just about how you tell the story but it's like the pace at which you control um your 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 frilly moments and you know your decorative moments and when the most blunt and unembellished moments are um and yeah look like coming from places like lloyd Webber, like it's just like you it's always going to be inspiring knowing how to deliver those punches and mm. i'm i'm always going to be trying to figure that stuff out <laughs> yeah yeah such a such a wonderful art form man and yeah it's all about dynamics right and contrast yeah. like there is no light without the dark that oh yeah whole thing and so yeah 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 it's 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 wonderful and i suppose that's the thing is with musical theater it's kind of so over the top that you really have to suspend reality like you have to get over the fact that these people are singing at each other for some reason (laughs) like that in by itself is so silly you know but then if you're willing to actually suspend the reality and and allow yourself to you know get sucked into that then actually it kind of offers this whole new level of depth in the story telling experience you know so. absolutely and and i really hope that um with the current as your that's out there and the um you know as your music to come that that's something that we can hopefully offer to people who are fans of that kind of immersion because i mean i i spend my life like that i'm i'm singing all the time like i i need you to understand i am singing every day <laughs> not just to practice but just because i am and even if i'm in a really bad mood i'll still if i'm listening to music or even if i'm not listening to music i'm singing all the time because i just that's just my state of being 
So when I watch something where people are singing all the time, like I've almost yeah. normalized it for myself. Nice. Yeah. And so when I watch something like, uh, I don't know if you've seen or, or like in any context of Sweeney Todd, like, sure, yeah. um, yeah. So Sweeney Todd, like that is like, you know, as a Sondheim, very, very Sondheim, like all over the place musical, everything's sung. Yeah. Um, and I speak to some people who've seen that film or the musical and they're like, yeah, I didn't really get it. Whereas then I talk to other people who've seen it and they perceive it like me to be like one of the most emotionally, yeah, like, you know, excruciating things I've ever seen. It's and so it's dark because, and like, heavy. Yeah. 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 And so people, you know, some people are seeing through the lens of all the singing and it's, it's, in, it's emphasizing the emotion, whereas other people, it's distracting them. And, you know, they're not wrong. They're allowed to have those opinions. Everyone is. But but I just love that there are other people like me who are experiencing the music side of things. And although, you know, it's it's like you say, not realistic, it's still just part of the package and it yeah. can still be entirely beneficial to the context of, you know, the music, the emotions, everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. Like, I want them to be singing at me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, I'm with you. I'm, I'm totally with you. And this, the, the Sweeney Todd movie that Tim Burton won, I think it's really interesting. I know that I have seen people criticize it that are really into the original theater play, yeah. which is understandable, like any adaption, I suppose. But there are things yeah. that I like about it, and I like how there is that theatrical quality to it. Like, for instance, I love the blood in that yes. uh, film, how it looks like glossy paint almost. And yes. It's really kind of like, it, that, that has, is, everything is sort of, slightly supernatural in in yeah and i think that exactly really cool what i think there's there's two things like that in that film for me and again it's all about the contrast it's just so theatrical to do this but that film has such a muted color palette for everything other than the blood a hundred percent yeah and that is so musical theater so it sticks out so much and the blood is almost magical in that way yeah but yeah no exactly so and that's that's just you know if anyone watches this who hasn't heard it's your or wants to read this book like that is just something that is a hugely like a, a you know a valuable component to to me is just having things which are almost so extreme in the sense that it's you know yeah. it's so magical or it's it's so over the top that it's sometimes in its context it doesn't you wouldn't think it fits but like like that's that's just what appeals to me and it appeals you know me and galen are always talking about just how how you know wrought or how emotional or how almost obscene things can be while still being able to exist in a musical context yeah. because you know we'll if we when we record an album we'll send each other you know videos on our phones of takes that we've done you know if we're not present for each other's recording process and we'll just be like listen to how screaming this is you know and you you know you might want to lay down a more technical take and we've done recordings where we might lay down some of the most you know technically proficient tight accurate you know takes on a record but we've just binned them because they just didn't have that extraneous you know like something <laughs> and yeah. and it's all about that extra something it's about it's all about the the fluorescent blood you know yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah i i do love that stuff and i'm i'm again i'm glad to talk to you about this because it's not often that we get to um to divulge on our obsession with this this yeah. kind of you know 
drama. Uh, man, totally. Yeah, I mean this this whole topic of musical storytelling and everything and around that is, uh, you know, pretty much my absolute favorite thing. So it's it's such a pleasure <laughs> to to delve into such depth with it with you on it, um, especially because I followed you guys for years because I just always got that sense coming, you know, from you guys. Um, I'm literally just conscious of the fact that I could happily chat with you. I know <laughs> about this, and we've already been going for such a long time, man. No, so. I know. What's been nice about it is, though, is it's just very natural. I'm just talking totally, about things yeah. that I want to talk about. Yeah, um, yeah. I love it. yeah, and I guess like we can summarize about like you know the book and like what you know whatever you want, really. Yeah, I think that you know we've we've got to cut it somewhere. So I think it's as good a place as any. Is is you know what would you like to get in there before we tie it up? Yeah, I'll just say um so to everybody who is um, watching these, I will say, firstly, thanks for sticking with me and, and William right now, uh, as we've been going on about all of our deep passions in music. Um, but if you are interested, um, the new book has been out for literally two days at the, t at the time of recording this video, um, Path of the Asdenis Lou. And if you follow me on any social media at all, or the band, um, all of the available links as to where to purchase it, or to learn more about the band or the project, it's all going to be there. Um, and yeah, I'm really grateful to anybody who takes an interest. And I'm extremely grateful for you for having me on the show and um, having an interest in it yourself. Oh, well, man, thank you so much for joining me. It's, it's really been such a pleasure. I'm so excited for everything that you've got going on and the book release and everything. It's, you know, I can't wait for everything as well going forward. So thank you so much, man. And, and I can't wait to do this again sometime. Yeah, man, absolutely. It's been great. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you for listening to Creating a Universe. Special thank you to Chris for joining me. I absolutely loved getting to have this chat. Be sure to check out Chris and Azure at linktr.ee forward slash Azure UK official. Links will be in the show notes. That's all for this one. I'll see you next time.